Well, good morning, church. How is everyone this morning? Good. That is good. Welcome to everyone who's joining us online as well. My name is Scott, if I've not met you, and I'm the lead pastor at New Life Cool and Gather. And it's a blessing to be back here because it feels like, thanks, Mike. Wow. It feels like I'm back home. I look out in this congregation, there's so many people that I deeply love and that deeply loved me over my years and on my journey. I remember just over 10 years ago, sitting up in that back corner, before we even done the renovations, and Stu Cameron, our old lead minister, preaching the gospel, and it touching my heart and transforming my whole life. And people here loved me, discipled me, and put me on this journey of becoming a pastor. And, and being a pastor here for a few years prior to being sent to Coolangatta, it just feels like home. It feels like I'm coming home to my parents where I was loved immensely. So thank you so much for letting me come here and bring God's word to you today. But we are in a series called Crucial Conversations. And we wanted to explore crucial conversations that are going on in our culture and in our church in our day and age. And we as a church, we want to speak into some of these conversations and bring the light of the gospel, the word of God, to help us navigate in a, in a biblical way that brings life and truth. And this series has been such a blessing even to me. If you've missed any of the previous weeks, you can go to our YouTube channel and catch up on those. But last, right at the beginning, Mike Hands, Pastor Mike Hands preached on deconstruction and faith. And then Tim Buxton came along with this amazing message around the plight of the refugee and how God sees that. And then last week, Pastor Alex Stark spoke about women and ministry. And today, I'm going to be speaking on miracles and medicine. Now, looking at that photo behind me, is that guy picking his nose? <laughs> is he like jamming his finger up there and trying to tickle his brain? That seems like, like a COVID test, right? I had a COVID test and I'm like, dude, where are you going with that? If that is uh, medicine in the first century, I'm a little bit worried. But anyway, there's actually three common thoughts on miracles and medicine in the church. The first one is that God wants everyone healed. And if you just have enough faith, then you'll be healed. And, and going to a medical professional, going to the medical institute is a sign of lack of faith. The second idea is God only heals through the medical profession because the gift of healing was only for the ministry of Jesus and for the apostles. It's actually not available for us as believers today. And the third is God still heals miraculously through Christian prayer, but God also heals through the medical profession and both are gifts from God. And we, I just want to be clear, we at New Life Church hold to the third view, that they are both a gift of God. And yet what I love about this series is we want to look into the Bible, we want to look into the truth to speak in to these issues. And there's this prayer that Jesus prays for his disciples in John chapter 17. It's beautiful. I encourage you to go read it. Jesus is about to go to the cross and be crucified, and he prays to the Father for the disciples. And he says this, <clears throat> I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also send them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Church, we are sent, just like Christ was sent to bring the truth of God's word. We are sent as the church into these crucial conversations to bring the truth of the gospel into them. So before we get into it, I'd love to pray. So would you please join me? 
Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your word. God, for your word is truth, and we can trust it. We can stand firm on the foundation of your word and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help me preach this message, Lord, with grace, with mercy, with truth, and with love. Lord, not that they would look to me, but that I only look to you, the one who brings life, and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, I remember when I first became a Christian, I was serving on the Connect team here, and, and it was such a blessing to be part of that, just, just volunteering on the weekends for this church. And uh, I was having a bit of a struggle. I became a Christian, and I hurt my back. And for three months, I was going to physio and trying to work out how I can fix like this disc in my back that was sort of bulging. And uh, I got to the point where I could go surfing again. I'm like, sweet. Get back out in the water. And the first surf back, I injured my ankle straight away. And I get out of the water and I can barely walk. I'm like, God, what are you doing? And I go to the physio and he's like, give me all these exercises. He goes, you should get that x-ray. And I'm like, yeah, so I should. And I never did, being a typical bloke. And instead of it being eight weeks to heal, it took like 12, 14 weeks to heal. So I did nothing about it. And then I get to a point where I can go surfing again. So I strap my ankle up, get it all ready, go out in the surf, and bang, a herniated disc in my back. That bulging disc came out. It went between my spinal cord and my spine. So I was in immense pain for about eight months. So I'm going to the medical profession, I'm going to physio, and they're helping me with this issue. And they're telling me I've got to have an operation on my back, and I'm thinking I'm not using my job. And I'm here on the front doors. <clears throat> I'm in pain. And I see this lady walking up the foyer, and she can barely stand up straight. She's walking like this. And I said, what happened? And she goes, I was moving yesterday, and I hurt my back. I can't even stand up. And me knowing the pain that that can have, I had compassion. I'm like, can, can I pray for you? Because I'm a new Christian, right? I'm reading the Gospels, and, and Jesus heals. I just believe that Jesus can heal. So I'm like, sit down here. And we sat down in the foyer, and I put my hand on the back, and I prayed the most simple prayer. I said, God, I know you love her, but I pray that you would heal her back. Back be healed in the name of Jesus. Whatever's causing the pain, be healed in Jesus' name. She popped up, stood up straight. This look came on her face. She started running around the foyer praising Jesus, going, Jesus, Jesus. I'm just sitting there going, what just happened? What just happened then? God healed this lady. And like, I didn't hear God say, Scott, pray for her or power coming out of my hand when I prayed. It was like a normal prayer that I pray every day. I felt nothing, and I absolutely love that. But see, there were two journeys here. I was going to the medical profession, and through that journey, God was teaching me things about his character and his nature. But then this lady got physically healed instantly. I tell you this story because I think it encapsulates our belief as a church that there are two ways that God accomplishes healing in this world. The first category is supernatural acts of healing. And they're alive and well today and best understood through the word of God. And the second category is natural law healing, which is beautifully exemplified through modern medicine and people dedicated to the caring of others. We actually believe both are gifts from God and that God has a plan and purpose for both these methods. And what I want to do is I want to explore the scriptures today to help us with this understanding. So first, God heals miraculously. I mean, you only have to open your Bible and read a little bit of the Gospels, right, to see Jesus healing people. To see there's, there's all these different kinds of healings, of diseases, of pain and suffering. Jesus heals lepers. He heals blind people. He heals deaf people. 
He heals lame people. He raises people from the dead. And so do his disciples. And this continues after the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus through the church, through the apostles, but also through everyday believers. Now, we believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit here, we just believe that God still works. And they're a gift, right? It's actually a gift, a supernatural gift. And one of them is actually the supernatural gift of healing. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12. He's addressing the Corinthians and he says to them, hey, Gentiles. And when he says Gentiles, he's actually talking to you and I because that's anyone who's not a Jew. So he's teaching the Gentile church. He says, hey, Gentiles, let me tell you about the spiritual gifts. Let me tell you all the different ones. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There's diversity of activities, but the same God who works all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For one's given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another word of knowledge, another a faith through the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretations of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each individually as he wills. Paul's like, let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you what is happening here. God is giving you a spiritual gift. Now, one gift isn't better than the other, and he decides who gets what gift, but they are meant to come together in this community where we come together and we use the gifts for each other and for the sake of the gospel. And supernatural healing is one of the ones that Paul talks about. And I want to focus on Paul a bit in his life and his teaching and this message because there is a theological view in parts of evangelicalism that's called cessationism. Now, cessationism is the view that the miracle gifts like tongues and of healing have ceased. And at the end of the apostolic age, it actually brought about cessation of the miracles. Most cessationists believe that the miraculous power was only for the apostles and just for the beginning of the spread of the gospel. And they believe the Holy Spirit no longer uses individuals or Christians to perform miraculous signs. We actually don't hold this view. And the reason is... This is why I want to focus on Paul, because he's actually like you and me. We need to know that Paul came to know Jesus after his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Paul didn't walk around with Jesus when he was doing his earthly ministry like all the other disciples. He came to faith like you and me after the events. And so he is just like us. And he worked and walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's teaching the church... All those that believe that the miracles are still available today. And we see in the book of Acts, God just doesn't use the apostles. He uses a guy named Stephen. Now, Stephen was just your average guy, but they needed people to lead and help out the widows and and other aspects of ministry. So they appointed some leaders. And it says Stephen goes out and he's full of faith and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says he did amazing signs and wonders. And that was the reason why the religious leaders pull him in and question him. And in the end, they actually stone him to death. But what we see there is the power of the Holy Spirit is at work through people, not just the disciples that walk with Jesus, but everyday Christians. And in Corinthians, Paul actually taught the church that, remember, would outlast the apostles to seek the gifts of the Spirit and minister them to each other. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. You know, there's actually no reference in Scripture or the Bible that says the gifts of the Spirit were either temporary or have ceased. And therefore, the gift of miraculous healing is is still for us today. 
And the past 2,000 years, the witness of the Christian church is full of verified stories of miraculous healings through the laying on of hands and prayer. So then the question is, what does Jesus say on the subject? Well, in Mark 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up servants. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, the context of where Jesus is telling his disciples this is where after his resurrection. So he's resurrected. He's seeing them. He's giving them the great commission. And he says to them, go and preach the gospel. And those that believe will be saved. And those that don't believe are condemned by their own sin. And then he says this, these signs will follow those that believe. Believe what? The message that the apostles are preaching. Do you know why that's great? Because that's you and me. You and I are the ones that believe the message of the gospel that the the apostles brought and taught. And I love how Jesus says, these signs will follow. What's a sign? Like if I drive up to the Sunshine Coast, I'm going to drive past a whole bunch of signs that point me to the Sunshine Coast, right? So as I'm driving, they direct me to where I'm going. But the sign isn't the place where I want to go. It's the destination is where I want to go, right? And here's the problem. Sometimes we look at miracles and signs and wonders and healings as the destination. They're not. They point to the destination, which is Jesus. They point to the one who brings the miracle. It's not us. And because of Paul and Jesus' teaching, we believe in the supernatural gifts. And so we actually seek those gifts of the Spirit for the good of the church and the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus. You see, a miraculous healing, it's actually a glimpse into the kingdom of God that Jesus came to bring. And these signs, they're signs that point to the reality that Jesus is the Savior, that he is the Son of God, that the message of the gospel is true and it's a sign of the kingdom to come. It's not a sign of the level of your faith. These signs that follow those that believe is not so you can say you have more faith than someone else and be all proud and go, look at me, how good a Christian am I? These are signs of the reality of the kingdom of God and the reality of the king of that kingdom, who is Jesus. So the statement that some Christians make to each other, like you just need more faith to be healed, it's unbiblical. It's actually not about you. It's a sign that points to Jesus. Not only is it pastorally insensitive, but it's spiritually abusive. Like there are people in this room and outside of this room that are Christians that are suffering terribly, that I have no idea what it's like for them to walk through what they're walking through. And then we say to them, you just need more faith. Like we're adding to their pain. We're adding to their suffering. We're saying to them, you're just not a good enough Christian. You just need more faith to be healed. That's terrible. That is not loving them. That's not caring for them. I mean, if we look at Paul's life, there are multiple stories in the book of Acts of Paul raising the dead, healing a paralytic. Even his hanky, they would take his hanky and take it to people and they would get healed. Like that's pretty amazing, right? And the amount of miracles he had through his ministry and the revelations of God that Paul had through visions and dreams is astonishing. I don't think any of us here today could claim that we have more faith than Paul, right? But even though he had such deep faith, Paul suffered physically and it wasn't God's desire to heal him. You know, it's not always God's desire to heal physically in this life. And Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 12. He comes to the church and he tries to teach him on this subject. 
He says, For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above where he sees me or hears from me. Paul's like, you know what? I could boast in all the miracles, in all the visions, everything that I've seen from God. But you know what? It's not about me. He knows that just because he's seen these things, it doesn't mean he's loved by God more than anyone else. He doesn't want people to think he's greater than anyone else. He says, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. He says, just so you know that I'm like everyone else, I suffered physically too. And what that done was it kept him grounded from thinking that he was something special or above anyone else. And he says, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I most gladly rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul learned this lesson when he didn't get healed. And he asked God, he says, God, I want to be healed. And God says, no. And he's like, that's not good enough. I'm going to ask again. So he asked again. And God says, no. And he asked a third time. He said, God, heal me. He's like, God's like, no. But what happens is it teaches him. And now he says, but I take pleasure in these infirmities because he's worked out that walking through this has taught him something, that God had a purpose and a plan. And he continues, he says, I've become a fool in boasting, but you've compelled me. For I ought to have been commended by you, for in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles. Some translations say super apostles. Although I am nothing. Truly the signs of apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. He's saying, hey, these signs and wonders and mighty deeds, the power of God was evident when he was preaching, even though he himself was suffering physically. Why? Because God wanted to teach Paul a lesson, but he also wanted to teach the church a lesson and keep us grounded. So scripturally, it's not always God's plan to heal every time. And no amount of faith on the side of Paul would have actually changed that. So to say God wants to heal everyone, you just need more faith and you'll be healed, is actually unbiblical. And God was glorified through Paul's transformation, right? Through his understanding then of suffering and preaching the gospel. And we get the benefit of that. It's written down in the scriptures for us so we can learn 2,000 years later. What an absolute blessing. So God had a plan for, for what Paul was suffering. And we see this not just in Corinthians. In Galatians 4.12, he says, Brethren, when I urge, you, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. You know that because of my physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. In my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject but you receive me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. So he comes and he's preaching the gospel. And the reason why he stops in Galatia is because there's something wrong with him. He's sick, right? So he's there and maybe he stays for a lot longer because he's not getting healed. But he's preaching the gospel and there are these signs and wonders happening through the ministry. And they don't say to him, oh, you just need more faith to be healed. His physical pain and what he was facing didn't stop them believing in the power, in the mercy, and the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. How beautiful is that? That the power of the gospel goes past what we actually face physically. 
So when someone says you just need more faith to be healed, what we're doing is we're putting ourselves in the place of God and saying, well, we know all things. We know God's plan. Uh, You're not all-knowing. You are not sovereign. You are not seated on the throne of heaven. What if God wants to show his power through a person's infirmity or what they're suffering, just like Paul? The scriptures show that you can have true faith and not be healed because it's not God's will. You see, strong, true faith is trusting God when you're not healed. Like it takes way more faith to trust God when you're suffering than when everything's going great, right? Than when everything's perfect. True, strong, steadfast faith is trusting in the character and the nature and the goodness of God regardless of what we're going through physically. True faith stands in the face of pain and of suffering and of persecution and even death. True faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, I was an aged care chaplain for two years before coming on staff here, and I was on full time. And uh, I remember being an aged care chaplain, there's a lot of suffering and there's a lot of pain. Like when you go to hospital, you go to get mended and well, and you come out of hospital a lot of the time. Aged care, it's not like that. People go there for the end of life. And so there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of suffering, there's a lot of grief. But here's the interesting thing. When I would go into rooms of women and men who were Christians, there was something different. They had a hope of something greater than what they were going through. There was one lady who had such a strong faith. I think I'm going in there to minister to her. And every time I walked out, I'm like, she just ministered to me. And I'm meant to be the chaplain. Like she was suffering horrifically. Like pain that I couldn't even imagine. But every time I walked in there, her face lit up and she told me about the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God. In the face of pain and suffering, all she could think about was her Jesus. Now that is faith that transforms hearts and minds, right? Like I'm so fired up to know that there are people so full of faith that they're not afraid of death. But they're full of excitement to finally see their Lord face to face. You know what? We don't know God's plan. But we pray in faith and believe in the miraculous healing power of the Holy Spirit to point to the reality of Jesus and the gospel message. That's why we lay hands on each other and pray and seek God's will. And John speaks about this in 1 John 5.14. He says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have petitions that we have asked of him. John's like, hey, this is why we lay hands on each other. This is why we pray for miraculous healing because we're, we're trying to come into line with God's will. But it's okay. It takes the pressure off me, right? And so we boldly pray for healing if it's God's will. And sometimes he does heal. But sometimes he doesn't. And most often, he doesn't heal instantly, but he heals through the medical profession. We are actually created to have community. We're created to love one another and help each other. We are creative beings made in the image of God. And therefore, God uses us to bring healing and provision. And sometimes he does miracles, but most of the time, he actually invites us into that process of healing. You know, it's just like if you're swimming in the ocean. I always use ocean uh, illustrations because I love surfing, so they get them at Cooley all the time. So you're welcome. Um, So imagine you're swimming in the ocean and you get caught in a rip and you're getting sucked out and there's nothing you can do and you're about to drown and the lifeguard comes paddling out on his board and he comes to save and you go, no, 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 I I should be able to walk on water. 
It's just lack of faith. Like, we don't reject a lifeguard when he comes to save us, to help us, right? So why do we reject the medical profession? You know, when our car's broken down, what do we do? We take it to a mechanic, right? A mechanic to fix it. Well, is that a lack of faith? Because God can fix the car just as much as he can fix a human body. But we do, right? We go and we use what God has given us. And here's the thing. God uses modern medicine to help us and to heal us. You know, even Paul prescribes and encourages Timothy to take medicine. In 1 Timothy 5.23, he says, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities. Everyone's laughing. They're like, yes, we get to drink wine. Who's down? Like, who goes to the doctor and goes, get your prescription. It's got like wine. You're like, oh, sweet. I'm coming back to this doctor. But I'm sure Timothy was, was Paul's disciple, a beloved disciple of Paul. He loved him deeply. I'm sure that, that Paul would have prayed for him at some stage, but it wasn't God's plan to heal him. And even Jesus speaks into this issue when he tells the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. Now, how that came about is there's this, this guy who was an expert in the law. And he says to Jesus, you know, how do I fulfill the law? And Jesus says, love God with your mind, your body, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he wants to clarify because he doesn't want to love everyone. Well, who's my neighbor then? Because I don't want to do that for everyone. And then Jesus goes on this story about this guy who's walking down the road, and he gets beaten to a pulp to the point where he's dying. And they rob him, and they leave him on the ditch on the side of the road. And two Jewish religious rulers come walking down the road and they see it and they go, let's just go on the other side of the road. I don't want to be unclean. I don't want to get involved in that. But then a Samaritan comes along. And Jesus says, but the Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. We see in this illustration, Jesus telling us about this man who comes and picks him up and uses medicine like wine and oil were for disinfecting, bandaging his wounds, and then taking him to an inn and taking care of him. This is beautiful, right? Then Jesus asked this expert in the law, he says to him, which of these three do you think was neighbor to the man who fell on the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Do you see that? That's actually a command from Christ to his followers, to his disciples, to go and do likewise. That we believe in miraculous power, but if we don't see a miracle, we are commanded to care for one another, to medically care for each other and take people to the hospital, take and help them with their ailments. And you know what's beautiful? Jesus is actually celebrating this action there. And when Jesus celebrates that, what that tells us is that is how you love God and love your neighbor as yourself. If we're followers of Jesus, we're actually commanded to medically care for others. And this has been the story of the church for the last 2,000 years. Like when there's been pandemics and when there's been disease, people flee cities over the centuries, but Christians ran into it. Christians understood the command of Christ to care for people and show them the love of God of the way they act, and they would go into the pandemics, many of them dying doing that. I mean, many of the hospitals are Christian hospitals around the world. The first ever public hospital was set up by Christians that anyone could come, any race, any class could come and be cared for. And Jesus makes another amazing statement in Matthew 25. 
So he's talking about the end times where the saints will be put over here and he starts talking to the saints at the judgment seat. And he says, hey, when I was sick, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. And when I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. And in Matthew 25, 36, he says, and when I was sick, you cared for me. And the saints are like, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we care for you when you were sick? He says, when you did it for the least of these, you did it to me. Jesus actually states that you are loving him by loving others and medically caring for them. Jesus says when we look after the sick, we're actually fulfilling the whole law and prophets to love God and love others as ourselves. You see, we're actually made in the image of God. We're made to love one another. And by helping one another, we're living this out. So God works through his people to bring them into that joy, but also as a witness to his love and his grace to the world. We should actually celebrate the medical profession. We should celebrate doctors, celebrate nurses, celebrate the whole profession because Jesus does. Do you want to love God and love others as yourself? Well, this is one way you can do that. How beautiful is that? That Jesus gives us a practical way to live out the gospel, to share his love with the world. When we're either caring for one and, or we're actually receiving the care, we're, we're bound together in love. So if you have a desire to love people, then God gives us this avenue for that. And not only that, but we actually learn to be recipients of love. You know when you're sick, how intimidating is that? How you feel when you've actually got to let someone care for you and love you and help you. That can be quite a, a vulnerable space, can't it? This is so important for us to learn because we need to be able to receive love, especially undeserved love. And we see the awesome undeserved love displayed on the cross, right? We are sick. We have a disease that's called sin. And that's causing us to be eternally separated from the love of God forever. And Jesus isn't like the Pharisees and sees you dead on a road and be like, well, I'm just going to walk around that. No, he says, you know what? I'm going to enter in. I'm going to put on human flesh. I'm going to come and feel what it feels like to be hated, to be scorned, to be spat on, to be beaten to the edge of my life, to be nailed to a tree because I love you and I want to heal you physically and spiritually of your sin. And so Jesus goes to the cross and he says, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And he sheds his blood for you and me to bring wholeness and healing for all that put their faith and trust in Jesus. There's nothing we can do to earn God's love. He came to restore us and to heal us. What's the benefit if you're 100% healthy, but you're 100% spiritually dead? Jesus offers life and life eternal, regardless of what our natural body experiences here on earth. And as Christians, we're, we're promised 100% healing in the resurrection. We're looking forward to a new heavens and a new earth where there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, where we are face to face with our God. This life is not all there is. We are eternal beings. We have received life and life eternal. We have received eternal healing Physically, mentally, and spiritually in Jesus Christ. Church, this is the promise of Scripture. This is the promise of our Savior. And this is a promise of our God. And it's evident in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus raised from the dead, free from sin and pain and suffering. We too who put our faith in Jesus are promised the same redemption of body and spirit. 
If pain and suffering were indicators of whether God loved you, then God the Father didn't love Jesus because he suffered physically on earth. But that's not true. God had a plan to use that suffering for the redemption of humanity and God worked all of it for good, right? The resurrected Jesus promises all who believe resurrection life. So the question is, do you trust that God will work all things for good for you? Then all healing, whether it's miraculous or through medical intervention, is the grace of God at work in our lives. You, know, you see, the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his MO. But Jesus comes to bring life and life eternal. So in all of our suffering, we, we run to the Father. And this is what I love about my kids. I've got these two kids. They're quite young and they're beautiful. And I love them deeply. And having my two boys shows me the heart of God. Because whenever they would get hurt when they were little, they would just instantly run to me. They'd be crying, they'd run. It didn't matter if they tripped over, if they banged their head, whatever they'd done, they'd run to me. There'd be times where I could help them, there'd be times I'd take them to get medical help. But they would always run to me first. And that's what we need to do. We should always run to the Father. And God will do what's best for us and for His glory. Do we trust in His love for you? Because my boys trusted in me. You know, I'm sure I'm going to get to heaven one day. And I sit down and I'm going to have a conversation with Jesus and go, Jesus, that time where I prayed for that person for healing, I wanted them healed, God. They were suffering horribly. And Jesus is going to say, Scott, I had a plan. Because in the face of their suffering, they held on to me. They held on to faith. And two people in their family put their faith and trust in me because of their faith through suffering. And I'll go, okay, it's all good. There'll be times where I'll sit with Jesus and I'll say, Jesus, what about the time where I was praying for that person's healing and I'm sure you were going to heal them and you didn't? He's going to say, Scott, let me tell you about my grand plan. And I'm sure I'm going to sit there and just be in awe and amazement of his love and his grace. Do you trust God? Do you trust him to do what's best? And to finish, I love what Dr. Matthew Steensma says. He says, I believe there are two ways that God accomplishes healing in this world. The first category is natural law healing, which is beautifully exemplified through modern medicine. The second category is supernatural acts of healing that are alive and well today, best understood through the Word of God, not the scientific method. There is no need to compare and contrast which approach is best. In fact, we need to do the opposite. We need to be better at executing both the natural law and the spiritual forms of healing so the kingdom of God comes faster. So the question is, how do we apply this? What, what can we do? Well, we can run to the Father in everything. Whatever we are facing, run to the Father and trust Him. We can boldly step out in faith and pray for people's healing. If a friend, a family member, even someone you don't know is hurting, is suffering, say, hey, can I pray for you? There's no pressure on you. It's not a sign of your faith. We're putting it in the hands of a loving God. And the last one, we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. We can bring healing through medicine or through just through loving support. Someone who's struggling, taking the meals, taking them out for coffee, seeing how they're going. So practically, the question is, who can you love this week? Who in your life needs help and how can you love them? And in so, fulfill the call to love God and love others is yourself. In a moment, we're actually going to be singing Waymaker. And I love this song. 
Because it says, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. God is the way maker. And sometimes that way is through medical assistance. But he's also a miracle worker. God still does miraculous healings today and we can pray for that. But the most important one is he's a promise keeper. That everyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ will be 100% healed one day. In the resurrection, when we see him face to face, we have a new heavens and a new earth where we live without pain and suffering and evil. He's a promise keeper. And there's a verse, a line, I don't know what they are, I'm not musically inclined, but where it says, um, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. That should be the cry of the Christian. That is faith in action, God. Even when I don't see it, I know you're working. And even when I don't feel it, whether in my body or in what is going on around me, I know that you're working. So we put our faith and trust in Him. When we sing that song, let's sing it from our heart because it's true. And we're going to step out in faith right now because we believe in healing. And I'm going to ask anyone who's suffering from any sort of pain, any sort of ailment, any sort of disease, I'm going to ask you to stand and we're just going to pray a simple prayer. It's not magical. It's not special words. But we believe in the miracle maker. So if that's you, if you have any pain anywhere, I'd like you to stand just right now. I'd like you to look around. These are your brothers and sisters hurting. We are called to love each other. Step out in faith. So we're going to pray for healing, but also how can you support them through the week? So I just ask if anyone's near you, can you just gather around them and lay your hands on them? Because the Holy Spirit is in each and every single one of us. And it's not amazing words. If they want to share what they're going through, then that's fine. If they don't want to share, that's fine. Just simple prayers, God. We pray for healing in Jesus' name. We pray for restoration of mind, body, and soul in Jesus' name. So just pray right now over them. Father God, we come before you because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the miracle maker, God. We come before you and ask, Lord, that you would move by the power of your Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, sweep through this place. We pray for healing of backs. We pray for healing of necks. Lord, we pray for the healing of cancer. We pray for healing of mental health. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. May these be signs that point directly to who you are. The rest of us, we want to stand. And as they continue to pray, let's sing this song. Let's declare this to be true. Thank <laughs> you.